Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is creating office space. Grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needles or crochet hook and join us. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and it's my honor to serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I am Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, this particular topic is inspired by the fact that you are dying to redo your office. (laughs) I'm very interested in it, yes. Yeah, and that is brought on by your most recent trip, true? Correct. So going to visit the Fasorius Chapter House, which we just did a podcast on a couple episodes ago, so people can go listen to that. I had this kind of understanding of how much aesthetics actually matter and how creating kind of space around you gives room or inspiration for the kinds of things that you create and make. And I'm not one who's necessarily going to create a space exactly like, you know, David McDonald's, which is an awesome, really cool space. Okay. Uh, He has a swing in his office. I'm a little jealous. I have to confess that. Ikea could make that happen for you. We just have to find a good joist, (laughs) I guess. There's a little bit of that. Safety is important. Yeah, exactly. So he has a really cool swing in his office that I am jealous of, but his style is very different than mine necessarily. But then again, I think part of what is fascinating about this the last week or so that I've been pondering it is trying to figure out what is style yeah. and what is my style. And I think it's kind of like finding what is a voice. Mm-hmm. So as each person comes into their own and learns what their voice is, I think finding a style is another part of that, which is a really interesting thing to explore. Sure. And so I'm in this point of knowing I'm going to be in this office, in this space for a while, and I want to stop just accepting what is there and make it my own with a hope for creating space with purpose. Okay. Not specifically a holy space necessarily? It would be. Okay. Because I think that that's part of who I am. Okay. Right? Is that I spend time in holy places and I see every place I'm in as holy. And so in some ways, creating whatever space I do, it needs to be able to create that kind of an environment that will hold people Mm -hmm. and help them to feel safe and comfortable and nurtured. It needs to be a place filled with light in some ways, because if I have stitchers in there, we need light to be able to see. Sure. It needs to be a space that can be quieter for when people are not feeling well and need to be able to have a space that is quiet and still. There's lots of different ways in which this space gets used that I want to be able to accommodate and to hold that space well. Okay, so not only are you talking varied uses for your Mm -hmm. office Mm -hmm. specifically, but you're going way beyond angel statues and quotes and crosses (laughs) and whatnot, right? Right. Well, what makes a space holy? Is it the tchotchkes that we put up or is it the environment we create. This is the question. Or is the way that it is used. I mean, I think that the tchotchkes can help. Sure. And when we are intentional about the kind of colors and textures and images and symbolism and all of that that we surround ourselves with, it will lean us in one direction or another. It will lean us towards the holy and the sacred Or it could lean us towards the chaotic and creative, Mm -hmm. right? It can lean us towards stillness and contemplation. All of those things, the space around us will help to dictate. 
one of the things that they said a lot in seminary in our worship class uh-huh. was architecture always wins. Oh, interesting. Okay, go further. Well, you cannot make a mid-century modern building feel like a Gothic cathedral. No, that's just never going to happen, never going to work. Right. Not only are you not going to get the visual, you're not going to get the sound. Sure. Right. You're not going to get the same kind of vibration. You're not going to get, it's going to be completely different. In the same way, neither would a building built in the 1990s, a box style or a theater style church would never have the feel of an open stained glass kind of a sanctuary. Okay, so work with what you're given is your starting point, correct? And understand that what you have, you're not going to inherently change what it is that you've got. So my room is a rectangle. Mm -hmm. It will never be an octagon. Mm, No. Right? (laughs) You're never going to get that bay window that my mother is still wishing for in her own living room. Right. It's not going to change. So then what can you do to make the most out of your rectangle? Sure. What is the sacred and the holy to be found in a rectangle? There's lots of questions like that in the same way that then when we take that out into our sacred spaces, into our structures and those kinds of pieces, then where is the holy to be found in our long rectangular sanctuaries? And how do we live into those with full integrity, recognizing the gifts and the limitations, and using it to its utmost and minimizing the limitations that it creates. All right, going back to your office, how much does that get to be you versus the expectations that people have of what your office should look like? I think that's a great question, and I don't know. Okay. Because I have never in my ministry pushed it. Oh, okay. I have always kind of... What, you didn't ask to paint the walls when you... Came in? Is this not your furniture? Nope. Oh, fascinating. In one call, I purchased a new desk. Okay. But that was it. So other than that, it has always been what was there previous to me. That would be so hard. That would be like living in your first apartment all over again because somebody (laughs) gave you a table and somebody Uh else gave you a lamp. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, no. I bring in some wall decorations and my office chair. Okay. So my office chair I bought... I was allowed to buy it Mm -hmm. in my first call, and the congregation paid for it. And it was back when my back was really, really bad. Okay. So that is the same chair I have had since 2006. Wow. 13 years. That office chair has served me for 13 years. That's amazing. It's a lot of time Mm -hmm. in that office chair. (laughs) So how much care and thought do you put into the things that go into your office then? I put a lot of care into the stuff that's on the walls. Okay. And I will say... That when I got here, I kind of had arranged it one way. And then I had an offer from someone in the congregation that I deeply admire who creates beautiful space. Mm -hmm. She has a tremendous gift for creating space. It's something I admire deeply about her. And I asked her if she would be willing to redesign my office while I was gone. Mm -hmm. And she totally did. So I left and I came back and one of the walls had been painted the blue And some shelves had been taken down and some shelves had been put up and the art was arranged where the art currently is. And three quarters of my stuff got put into a bin with a sheet telling me where everything was (laughs) so that I would know. That would be so hard. And some drapes were put up Uh and some furniture moved in. And it was great. Okay. Because it was so totally nothing that I had any kind of a mind for or any kind of a way to visualize what could be in that space. And that's the thing. I think that for those of us for whom 
interior design is a challenge, is not a natural gift. Uh huh. Recognizing the power of the design of a room and how it impacts the usability and the feasibility of activities in the room, I think we don't pay attention to it. Okay. And so I've always kind of defaulted to utility. Mm-hmm. What's here? What can I use? Which is not often the most attractive route. Nope. Mm-hmm. My house is the same way. <laughs> right? Like, sure. What can we find and toss it together? And my spouse and I were looking at the furniture in our bedroom yesterday. And I'm like, that's from my seminary dorm room. And that's from my seminary dorm room. Yeah. And that's from my seminary dorm room. Yeah, I have a very good friend of mine who is actually going through an incredibly similar situation with their living room and dining room. And she's finally realized I have had this since my first marriage. Mm-hmm. And for a myriad of reasons, it's time. Yeah. And at the same time, I don't want to buy into consumer culture. Oh, sure. Right? I have a strong it's not about value new. that I don't want to just get into consumer culture. And at the same time, I want to create space well now. Mm-hmm. I saw what a difference it made in having a cohesive design of a space when I was at the chapter house. And it did something for my spirit. Mm-hmm. The Velvet Room gave me a place of peace and gentleness. And I had a migraine one of the days. And it was a healing space. Nice. That could have been the individual air conditioner unit that I could, you know, <laughs> make it be 67 degrees. And it's part and parcel. That was part and parcel. And just the ability to control the lighting in such a way that it didn't hurt. Sure. Right. Was such a tremendous healing piece. So what can be created like that? But then the other spaces that just inspire trying something new, doing something different, believing in the ability to see what can happen. That was powerful. Yeah. And I would love to see how to make that happen. One of the things that I saw was kind of the office space and how they set up an office space for a collaboratively creative team. Sure. And wow, do I want something like that for my team? (laughs) Yeah. Right? Like I want a space where we have that kind of collaboration and excitement together. I don't know how to do it in a mid-century modern building. Oh, there's got to be a way. But there's got to be a way. Is there anything that you're obligated to have in your office? Locking filing cabinets Oh, for confidential information. Okay. Not yeah. even remotely would I have pegged that as a necessity, yeah. but there you go. Yeah. I mean, there's confidential stuff either from pastoral visits or personnel conversations or those kinds of things that are stored, you know, at a higher level of security. So locking cabinets for secure information and confidential pieces. Beyond that, no, not no, really. Not obligated to have a cross or a... A diploma? I don't think so. I mean... (laughs) Nobody's called you out on it yet. Nobody's really commented on the design. I mean, people come into my office and they're like, oh, this is so cozy or this is welcoming or this is inviting. I'm like, don't look at the chaos that is my desk. It's a wreck. But in other places, I had one person comment once about uh, in all of my offices, Uh I have been lucky enough to have lots of bookshelves built in to every office that I've had of my three offices. And in fact, I have the least amount of bookshelves in this one, in this office than I've ever had, which is why they're so cacophonous, a little overflowing (laughs) because I have many more books than bookshelf space in this office. But the bottom shelves on the floor level, I have always filled with children's toys. 
mm-hmm. and children's books. And I started that in my first call, continued it in my second, clearly have it now in my third. Mm-hmm. I even got to contribute to that a little bit. Yeah, I love having that there, right? It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. In my second call, I had a person in the congregation who did not like that. Felt that it was incredibly unprofessional to have the children's toys in there. Because you're not the pastor to the children in the church? Well, or that it just seemed like an executive office wouldn't have children's toys. Hmm. And so for me, I find them incredibly useful when I'm meeting with families talking about baptism or those kinds of things or just creating a welcoming space for kids. I'll say they haven't been used as much in this call, but... I still like having them there. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Having a stash of children's books at hand is a good thing. But that's been kind of one thing that I have always had in my office that okay. I will probably continue to keep present in my office. Sure. Now, as you go about changing things, inevitably you're going to have to throw things out or give them away. How do you feel about the whole Marie Kondo method? I have beautiful sock drawers. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) And my t-shirts have been folded in the condo method for over four years now. Okay. But your bookshelf in your office is not reflecting the same thing. I know. It's so hilarious. I joke with my spouse about this because at home, everything has a place and everything is in its place. Okay. And that's when I'm calm. And at the office, it's chaos. Well, why the dichotomy? That's fascinating to me. I think partially because ministry is really hard to control. Oh, well, that makes perfect sense. Right? Especially in an environment like this that's moving and flowing and the spirit's really present and things are flowing sideways and you just go with it all the time. Ministry is kind of chaotic in and of itself. And in some ways, I let go of that necessity to feel like I'm in control when I'm here Mm -hmm. because I'm a part of a community listening to God's call. And I am not the one who's in charge. I put that in air quotes. Sure. Right. Because God is guiding us and we're finding our way together. So my office reflects that chaos. That means that I go home and I want things to be in their place. Even more so. (laughs) Because I need somewhere where I know exactly where my favorite cup is going to be. Mm -hmm. Well, when you're going to redo this, what do you do with the things that you inevitably will have to swap out or get rid of? Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's so hard. I have some items that have been tucked away since that office remodel Mm -hmm. that were up in every other office. Lots of crosses that were (laughs) up in every other office. And they haven't been up for five years. And so the question is, do I need to put them up? Do I want to put them up? Do I swap them out? Or do I let them go? Sure. How much do I want on the walls? How much do I not want on the walls? Our walls are hard to actually put things up on. Sure. Because they're lath and plaster and textured. So There's only so many command strips in this world that you can put up at once. And command strips don't work on textured walls really well. Not oh, like the spiky texture walls. Especially have an issue. Mm-hmm. You know, what am I going to do with that? I don't know. I don't know yet. I don't Mm -hmm. know. I'm terribly curious what's going to come of it. But I know I want a standing desk. Ministry is really sedentary. Sure. I sit in a lot of meetings. There's a lot of coffee and sweet treats that get thrown your way, I'm sure. Yeah. And sitting in meetings. Yeah. And sitting to drive and sitting in visits and sitting and doing email doesn't have to happen. So I'm researching a lot 
on standing desks or different things like that, just to break it up a little bit. So I'll see what happens. And I'm kind of at that place of wondering about releasing some of the hand-me-down furniture, Mm -hmm. which of course I'm going to see if anyone else in the building wants it handed to them. (laughs) Well, yeah, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) But we'll see what happens. Now, beyond the four walls of your office, how much is this creating not necessarily sacred space, although you're in a sacred space? Mm -hmm. How much does that matter and how much do you pay attention to? I think it matters more than I have recognized. Okay. And we have had folks the last couple of years really working hard behind the scenes to do little pieces here and there. Okay. Cleaning out an area and making sure that there's matching hangers. (laughs) It is sometimes the little things that do matter. Right. And painting that little alcove. Bringing in a new table in the narthex that is not a college hand-me-down style table. Yep. But a real table. Those kinds of pieces. Bringing in new art into the assembly room and new furniture in the assembly room outside of my office. Well, even just the office where the church admin is, Uh I know I am very sensitive to clutter. And if my space looks nice and is welcoming and calming, I am far more able to get things done. Yeah. Otherwise, the first thing I have to do is go wipe up the crumbs from everybody else and put everything away (laughs) and why are all the pens out and why can't anybody file anything but me? Right. And that's the kind of thing I think I want to check. We have a new staff person. Sure. And it's a good time um, to do all this stuff. It's kind of a point in time. Okay, let's have these conversations and Mm -hmm. let's dream about this and let's imagine what can be. It's not something that'll necessarily happen quickly because funding isn't necessarily... (laughs) Well, nothing moves that quickly in a church. church. (laughs) But at the same time, like paying attention to it and wondering about some things. Yeah, I'm really curious. I have this little bookshelf that's tucked into this little alcove kind of thing. And it's just filled with stuff that I haven't touched in six years. Mm -hmm. And so the Marie Kondo lessons are kind of screaming in my head Mm -hmm. of... Why are they there collecting dust? If it's... Find them a better home. Mm-hmm. Now, how much of this requires other people's voices and votes? Or is all of this purely under your discretion? My office is my discretion. Okay. Anything that happens outside of my office is... Up for committee? Yeah. <laughs> that's exciting. Especially if anything were to change in the sanctuary. Oh, sure. That's up for like big committee. Yeah. Big conversation. But, I mean, think about the massive change that we did in the basement Mm -hmm. this last year, right, where we had a committee that just did an incredible job designing a beautiful, stunning space for the indoor park down Mm -hmm. in the basement. And that has made a huge difference in how it feels. And they tackled everything from the lighting to the colors on the walls to the colors on the pews to... Keep that train rolling into your office, my friend. (laughs) We'll see. Okay, that's going to lead me to my last question. Is there something, one thing maybe perhaps, that you would never get rid of that's currently in your office? The one thing that will likely not change, I won't say never because who knows what I'll do in 30 years, but the one thing that is likely to never change is that directly across from wherever I spend most of my time Mm -hmm. is my baptismal certificate. Oh, that's fascinating. I would have pegged it was your hot water kettle for tea. (laughs) (laughs) I've had an office without my kettle. My kettle's really important, and yeah. a tea station's really important, but my baptismal certificate is directly across so that when I'm looking at people, it's in my peripheral vision. Oh, that's And lovely. that I always see it. And that comes from my teaching parish pastor in California, so that's my first year of seminary. Sure. 
And his words to me were, the day that your certificate of ordination becomes more important than your baptismal certificate is the day you need to retire. Oh, that's both shocking in some ways and really lovely advice. And really important. Yeah. And so the direction that I'm facing I always see my baptismal certificate, and it's the only thing in my life that I've ever had professionally framed. Okay. It was my graduation from seminary gift to myself was to have that professionally framed. Uh Uh-huh. And then my ordination certificate is behind me. Uh, Sure. And the reason why I don't have my doctoral degree framed enough, because they gave it to us in a massive frame. Sure. Is because the frame is massive. (laughs) We've already talked about how hard it is to hang on the walls. Well, not just that. It's like twice as large as my baptismal certificate. And like that, I'm not going to have my degree eclipse my baptismal certificate. So my degree is still in its box. Literally in a closet. (laughs) Nice. That is the most important thing to me to remember. That first and foremost, I am a called child of God doing my work. And that God has claimed me to do this work and loves me. That will not change. And the second piece is a safe space sign that I have that's very subtle because it was given to me by trans and non-gender conforming folks back in like 2004. Okay. And that's 14 years ago Mm -hmm. before that community had a lot of grace offered towards them. And they made a safe space sign for me for my first office. And so that will probably likely always be up in my office. Wonderful. In some ways now it could be much more obvious Mm -hmm. because it's a much safer world Yeah, for that. But it also reminds me where my roots are. It's one of those gifts that ordains me. Excellent. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about creating office space. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I. And if you have any suggestions on standing desks... Man, send them my way. I'm looking for something that doesn't look like a college dorm room. I'm real tired of that. Sure. (laughs) You can email that to me at pastor at centralportland.org. But if you want to get a hold of Don and I, you can always reach out to us at podcast at centralportland.org. And until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.